The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and thrilled to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I am one of your hosts, Kyle Hyman, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who is still young enough to game for 24, <laughs> oh, check that, 25 hours straight, yeah. Josh Borboni, how are you doing this evening? I'm good. I was just gaming just minutes ago, too, so I, I'm still gaming, even though I wasn't sure I would be up for it. <laughs> so 25 hours didn't dull the desire, eh? No, no. Uh, I mean, yes, it did, for sure, 100%. I was like, I don't think I want to play video games for a week, <laughs> but... <laughs> um, no, I mean, oh, boy, uh, I'm tired. Uh, for sure. And, yeah. you know, I had to come home Sundays. We didn't get a hotel because they couldn't give us early check-ins. So that's why we didn't sleep today. Um, and, of course, I'm coming home to relieve uh, my cousin's girlfriend from watching my son. So I'm go right 100% into dad mode as soon as I get home. So um, equally as tiring as playing video games for 24 hours. <laughs> So how many hours of it was that? How many hours was dad mode happening then? Well, as soon as I got home. So which was, I don't know when you got home though. 2 15 PM to to 7 PM. All right. Yeah, I did. I I was, I was sitting down watching bluey with him. And then I just remember him going dad, wake up dad. And I was like, Oh, (laughs) <laughs> I was. I think I like, fell asleep for like thirty seconds, because <laughs> he's so attentive, he would notice the second my eyes close. The bluey thing is, see, they yell "spider," and that's what scares Bluey's dad. So he'll do that when he sees me close my eyes. Spider. <laughs> I'm like, great, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, perfect, perfect, perfect. So, okay, you know, obviously for pregame, my question was going to be, what's the longest you've ever stayed up for? But we're going to yeah. tie this into you talking about. Uh, your experience with Extra Life this weekend. So, okay. you know, tell us all about it. Like, what was the, when did you leave? Because you went in person. Like, what was it all like? How long it, were you, have you been up for? Like, tell us, fill the listeners in on your exploits this weekend. Uh, well, okay. So, we did this two years ago. Um, Kevin Austin and I, Kevin from, formerly of Play Some Video Games Prime or PSVG Prime, still part of play some video games. Um, We joined a team called Phoenix Overdrive, which is in Rome, New York, which is about a four-hour drive from where I am, about a five-hour drive from where Kevin is. So uh, we would carpool the first year we went. So we got involved because Sean Capri from Xbox Drive um, podcast got involved with Lee, who runs um, the Phoenix Overdrive team. To, you know, I mean, to raise money for children's um, 
hospitals around the country, around the world, actually. So uh, we went up two years ago. It was really nice. We met up with a bunch of fellow podcasters and even uh, listeners of our shows. Uh, I want to say it was like 30 people, 35 people two years ago. And then last year, we, they didn't do it because of COVID. So we did it from home. And then we did it as uh, a PSVG team to play some video games team instead of joining Phoenix Overdrive because that way we were able to incorporate some of our members from within our podcast network, um, which we did really well, actually. But having the opportunity to go back this year and do it in person was, uh, I think it's it's pretty important and, and it, it adds a different level of awareness and um, it really makes you feel like you're participating in something bigger than yourself, uh, which I mean, you are every time you do it, but it just is a, Lee puts out uh, on a very special like um, setup where he rents out uh, a conference room at the community college out there, which is really nice. And they wire everything up. And um, that was no exception this year. I mean, we had to prove uh, we have proof of vaccination and we also had to wear masks the entire time unless we were eating or drinking. And we all, we had about 20 people this time. Uh, everyone there, including myself that was streaming and, and raising money for extra life, uh, improved on, uh, their year over year earning, like not, uh, not earnings, but how much money we raised. Uh, Sean Capri raised almost $5,000 and last year he raised like 2,200. So big increase for Sean. And as a team, we raised $22,000, which put us at like 45th in the world for extra life fundraising, which is pretty impressive. We had a news. That is pretty good. We had a reporter come in and interview uh, Sean Capri, if, if you're in our Discord, you can see the um, the article they printed for the Spectrum News out in Mohawk Valley in uh, Rome, New York. And Kevin and I are in the photos, but you're the are not interviewed. You're the, you're the background. It's so nice. <laughs> yes. Um, so that was cool. And of course, they're like, Canadian travels to. <laughs> like, they don't even name them until the article. It was pretty funny. Uh, so we went out... Uh, the day before, because last year, uh, two years ago, we drove up the morning of. We actually got up at four, left at four a.m., and then that's when our sleep, no sleep, started. Uh, but also, we had a hotel after, which we were able to guilt into giving us early check in, uh, <laughs> and, and we ended up only really sleeping for like two hours, and then we were wide awake, caught our second wind, if you will. Uh, so this time we went up. The day before, we stayed overnight at a hotel, and Lee invited us over to his house for dinner. So Kevin and I went to his house where he hosted uh, us and Jean Capri and um, Joseph Moran, Mr. Badbit, if you follow him on Twitter, and some other people as well that were participating in Extra Life. So we had a nice dinner at his house and had a, like chatted and then kevin and i going back to the hotel and of course we played a board game so we were up to like 2 a.m <laughs> that night before and got up at seven so we were up at seven on game day got our breakfast went down set up our equipment so uh our our sleep 
countdown clock started at 7 a.m. that day. Like we're like, okay, I thought we, I thought we could sleep till like I set my alarm for nine. I was like, maybe, maybe I can sleep later, but that didn't happen. And uh, yeah, uh, very same similar setup. They actually did a great job at meeting some of our needs. The two years ago, they didn't really feed us, and we weren't really prepared to uh, properly hydrate and nourish ourselves, which made it. 10 times harder two years ago than it was this time. Um, right. They really took care of us. They gave us like six meals throughout the course of the night, uh, day and night. So we were constantly able to eat. And uh, I didn't really hit a wall until about 3 a.m.-ish. Uh, actually, I hit the wall when I saw my my watch hit 1.55 a.m. twice. And I was uh, like, yes. uh, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> Can someone confirm that this happened? Uh, so that really kind of threw us for a loop. And then we had a power surge and everything got shut down. And it really killed, I think, the momentum for a lot of people. Where people kind of was like, it took them about maybe 10 minutes to get everything back up and going. So I think it really kind of knocked a bunch of people uh, out. Uh, a lot of people left. I don't think they were raising money, but some people did just show up to... Be supportive and play games with us. Uh, and in fact, mm-hmm. one, one of our listeners, the Winter Gamer, uh, um, Brendan Myers, showed up um, to uh, play games with us and be and you know participate. And uh, he was great. It was really nice to meet a listener and someone we talk to regularly on Discord. Who listens to the podcast? Um, so that was really <laughs> that was really fun as well. And uh, yeah, we played a bunch of games. And that's what we did. <laughs> Josh, you've officially met more listeners in person. I haven't met you, but I've met. because yeah, yeah. we've literally never met in person yet. <laughs> so no big deal. That's fine. It'll happen someday, I'm someday. sure. Someday, yeah. It'll happen. So cool. But overall, good experience playing again for next year? Yeah, we'll be back next year. It was, it was a lot of fun. And uh, it is difficult. I think I said this, said this the last two years I've done it. There is this like notion that playing video games for 24 hours straight is a walk in the park. It's not. It's very difficult to continue to be engaged, motivated, and um, uh, focused, especially around those later hours where um, some people have to change up the types of games they play. You know, it really depends. Uh, but I got lucky this year. I, I kind of hit my stride. I got, in fact, I'm on my fifth wind. I think I was counting all the wins I hit today, and I'm on oh. like my fifth wind because uh, I there was moments during today that have been pretty rough. But yeah, I that's actually, something you do. Uh, yeah, I think the biggest bummer about um, so I've always wanted to do extra life. The problem is, is it always hits at what is an extremely busy time at work sure for me and obviously i know that you don't have to do it like on the one day right like you can do it whenever throughout the year like yeah this just tends to be like when like the whole community is kind of rallied around doing it but it's always just been the biggest bummer for me (laughs) because we were talking before the podcast i was like i had to take like multiple naps this weekend just to recover from like (laughs) how busy work has been and here's josh's you know gaming for Driving to New York, gaming, <laughs> driving back from New York, and is still doing the podcast. Yeah. And I was like, man, I'd take a couple naps. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. So, I, I, if, uh, yeah, any other t- day, I would have happily taken any, any number of naps. So, 
But that does beg the question then, Josh. What is the longest you ever have stayed up for consecutively? I'm going to say, if I remember correctly, it's I'm probably close to it now. It's probably been 36 to 40 hours. I know like I've always tried to do 48. Not always. I've tried to do 48 in the past, and it just isn't doable. Even when I was younger, like as kids, you try to see how long you can stay up and do right. stuff. Um, uh, so I'm going to say a rough guesstimate between 36 to 40. Um, never out of necessity, usually out of stupidity or fun, yeah. uh, usually not on purpose. Yeah. I, I think for me, I think I've hit about 48 hours, though I will say I have no doubts that somewhere in there, I probably did fall asleep at some point. Oh, sure. You know, yeah. shortly. Yeah. But when I was in college, I had an I worked overnights, and I had a situation where I woke up one morning, like did my typical day, went to class, did all that stuff, went and worked my overnight job, and then that next day, um, one of the student organizations I was in, we had a huge event that day, so I had like class and that event and like everything. So then by the time my day was done, I had to go back to work. Yeah. So then I worked all night again, and then got home, and then was able to sleep so that's like the longest that i can remember sure. ever staying up but but i do distinctly remember that when that situation happened i got home and went to bed and probably two 90 minutes two hours into me sleeping the phone in my um room rang and this was you know back in the day where not everyone had cell yeah, phones landline cell, phone. like, <laughs> cell landlines um and i got up and i answered the phone i had an entire conversation with someone <laughs> Yeah. And then I hung up the phone. I still to this day have no idea who that was, what that call was about, or what the conversation we had was. Yeah. But I very distinctly remember function. that happening. Yeah. So, but anyway, yeah, I now like staying up, you know, longer than like I could stay up a good amount. Like I usually get up at 6 30 in the morning and I often go to bed between midnight and one. Yeah. But, you know, not much more than that I can handle these days. That's for sure. So, but. Well, Josh, I'm glad things went well. I'm glad that y'all were able to Thanks. raise a whole bunch of money. And I definitely look forward to very shortly here hearing about some of those games you played yeah. as part of Extra Life. But we're going to do a little housekeeping first. So thanks so much for joining us this week, everyone. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, or suggested topics, hit us up at BoardWithVG on Twitter. Or check out all the awesome stuff over on the Instagram, also BoardWithVG. We're a proud part of Play Some Video Games, and PSVG is on Patreon. We are thrilled with the support you have given us there thus far, and if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, you can find us there at patreon.com slash PSVG, just like Edwin Kahlo, AJ Pentecost, Chris M., Devin Tyus, Joe Wilson, Josh Borboni, Nick Creature, Paul Calicote, RJ Kern, Stephen Keller, Zach Adams, Michael Taylor, Trucker Sloth, and of course, Horse Girl 69 But the most important thing is just that you listen and maybe share our show with someone who you think would enjoy it. We're also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Network, so if you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower Podcast, as well as all the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that's right for you. So with that, Josh, I know you played a ton of games over those 25 hours. Yeah, Plus, I just remembered two more games. while you were talking. <laughs> <laughs> so hit us with what you've been playing, sir. All right, I don't want to go crazy uh, long, so I will do... Some short bits. Uh, so we'll say... Oh, so uh, I joined in Sean Capri, did some Jackbox TV. Uh, so we played some Fibbage 3. But he was, you know, he has a very active Discord and Twitch following. So I just played one round and let in uh, let some of his uh, 
um, supporters jump in in my spot and went back to my regular games. Um, there was a Brawlhalla tournament, a game I had never played before. Uh, so, you know, it's a free-to-play game. So I figured I would uh, join in and I made it almost to the finals. Pretty fun game. They have a lot of characters like the Ninja Turtles, Hellboy, John yeah. Cena, Undertaker. I'm like, what the heck is this game? But it's basically cell yeah. um, shaded Smash Bros. Uh it was pretty fun, actually. I enjoyed it. I didn't uninstall it when I was done. Uh, and it came down to me, Sean, Capri, and the Winter Gamer. Brent, I should just call him Brendan, right? <laughs> um, it came down to the three of us, and uh, Brendan ended up winning that tournament. I also watched Brendan win the Rocket League tournament that happened after that, but he was ineligible to win a prize for the second tournament. But I saw him get a prize anyways. Uh, so he got one anyways. Um there was going to be another tournament, which was a five-star challenge on GTA Five, but it didn't happen um, at that at, during the night. So I was like, "Do I want to buy GTA again from my Xbox just to do a, a like a tournament challenge thing?" I was like, "No thanks, I'll pass on that one." Uh, speaking of Brendan, uh, something that has kind of been a running thing in our Discord is Brendan and I trying to play Project Winter forever. <laughs> never finding enough people. So I made sure to tell Kevin and Sean Capri, like, Hey, we got to download project winter. And then Sean was able to get some of his t- people in his discord to play. So we played project winter, which is essentially a top down 3d, uh, among us. Uh, but you're in, you start in a cabin in the middle of a uh, winter, uh, setting where, one or two people are traders and the other people are survivors and your goal is to complete tasks and the tasks are typically like repair the power station and then once you repair the power station you have to uh um fix the helipad and then radio for a helicopter but meanwhile when you get to like um uh bunkers they have like keypads and usually you need two or three people to open them because you have to all hold down a button at the same time uh you have proximity chat which you can hold in and you can like try to find people near you but you can also find walkie talkies and stashes that will let you transmit to everybody as long as they have a walkie talkie and um the traders uh are able to sabotage power stations and Anyone can attack anybody if you find a pickaxe or a rifle, but the imposters can build like guns out of supplies they're taking from people. And you would typically go to like the repair station and say like, this repair station requires uh, three gas tanks or, or two scrap metal. And you have to go find that at these bunkers. But also while you're trying to go through these bunkers, there's wolves that are out there hunting and they'll attack you. There's traders who will attack you if you're by yourself. They can put down bear traps, landmines, and then there's a bl- there's um, huge blizzards that come in, and you can also freeze to death. One of my favorite things, which is very bizarre and twisted, is if you come across a dead person or you kill someone, you can actually not only salvage their like what they have on them, but you can take their heart if they're dead and then cook it and eat it. <laughs> oh, goodness <laughs> to heal gracious. yourself. <laughs> Uh, so that, and, uh, um, Brendan introduced us to the fact that if you find someone dead, you can actually dress up as them. So people would think 
that like he pretended to be Sean Capri's character, and I thought Sean was a good guy until he killed me. Then to realize <laughs> it wasn't even Sean that killed me. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. We kind of went in skeptical, and uh, I think we all went uh, all enjoyed it. Uh, Kevin and I played Wingspan on the Xbox, and after maybe like five minutes of like figuring out how it plays, we played a couple games, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, very well integrated uh, app, and if it wasn't so chill, I probably would have tried to play it more, but we started playing it later at night, and I could see it putting me to sleep. So I did not, we didn't play more. I played Into the Pit. That's the game that you asked me to play, that you donated. Into the Pit is on Game Pass. The way I would describe Into the Pit is, if you've ever played the game Heretic on PC, which is basically a mage doom, uh, it is that meets Hades. So it has like these Metroidvania runs, but you're getting orb power-ups as you complete rooms. And sometimes you go into a room and it'll just be a healing room. Uh, and then you go in, and you go deeper and deeper into the pit and you're trying to get these orbs and rescue people that have been trapped. And if you rescue them, they go back into the town that you start in. Essentially, filling up the town kind of like you fill up the underworld in Hades. Um, and as you go down, it's like a faux 8-bit graphics. It's not even quite 8-bit. It's like a, in between 8 and 16-bit graphics. Um, it can move very fast. Um, I actually had a lot of fun playing it, um, and I also did not uninstall that one. I am really... So when I was watching the trailers for this, I was like, this reminds me of Heretic. Yeah, so exactly. the fact that that so the fact that that is what you're saying it is makes me far more interested because I I was wanting to kind of play this game and I was looking at it and I was like you know I know I'm going to donate to Josh maybe I'll let Josh test drive this for me yeah. and let me know whether <laughs> or not it's good so I'm glad to hear that it is at least okay yeah it is uh, it is fun um, and it's on Game Pass so there's no risk um, all reward or punishment uh, I. Kyle jumped in while on my stream while we were, Kevin and I were playing Mortal Kombat 11 pretty late at night. Uh, we had some fun playing that. It was just fun to play against somebody else. Uh, so that was fun with crossplay. He was on PlayStation. I was on Xbox. Uh, because Brendan Myers was there, we did talk about Avengers. He had it uh, because it's on Game Pass as well as I did. So we thought it would be fun just to play some Avengers. And uh, I got to say, um, we were both starting at like level zero, level one. So it was kind of, it wasn't too bad. And I played as Black Panther and I'm shocked at how well balanced that character is and how much fun it was to play as Black Panther. Oh. Um, so we played for maybe an hour or two and that was a lot of fun. So I'm like, oh, do I, Spider-Man's coming out soon. So do, do I just start over again on PlayStation <laughs> uh, and do that? So I don't know, maybe I'll do that. I'm not sure. Uh, the night before Extra Life, Kevin and I played Horrified American Monsters. We got back to the hotel later at midnight, and I was like, well, I played Horrified. It has to be, I, I'm pretty sure I got it. Uh, it is, uh, I wouldn't say significantly different from Horrified, but it changes a lot. Uh, at least a lot more than I was expecting. Also, it didn't help that we coincidentally randomly picked the two most difficult enemies in the game. Nice. Uh, so it took us a couple hours to finish that game, and we did not successfully finish that game. But it was still fun. Uh, I still recommend it. It's definitely, actually, I might, I might 
might recommend it more because it's different enough from Horrified that you could have a different experience playing it. Um, um, and, I, and I can get into more details about Horrified at a, at a time where I'm not talking about 15 games. <laughs> <laughs> Real quick to interject. Yeah. So right now, listener, if you're listening, I think this will still be going while on Tuesday when this mm. uh, episode posts. There yes. is two for one board games at Target. And you can mix so with video buy, games too. Yeah, and and I think toys. So that and two movies. for one, buy two, get one free for board games, video games, and toys is going on. Uh, we had to run to Target today. So while we were there, uh, the partner was like, hey, you know, they are doing their two for one sale. Why don't you go look at board games while I you oh. know, go do some stuff? So I was looking at board games and I was like, well, you know, there's definitely some games here that, you know, I want and things like that. And, uh, <clears throat> Well, when all was said and done, between picking up some board games at the store and then looking at the sale online, we have nine new board games, Josh. Whoa. What did you get? <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be able to remember them all. Uh, so at the store, we only bought three at the store, and then we got six online. Uh, we got Parks okay, and yeah. Sag- Sagrada, because we still didn't have Sagrada. Oh, nice. And what was the other one that we got at the store? This is fa- fantastic podcasting right now. People are interested. I can't remember. Oh, no, I can't remember the thing. Isle of Cats? We got. That was it. It was Isle of Cats. Nicely <laughs> yeah, <yeah>. done, Josh. <laughs> Nicely done. Isle of Cats. Uh, and then online, we picked up Isle of Sky, Maracaibo, hmm. Res Arcana, uh, Horrified, actually, which is the reason I thought nice. of this. Uh, Horrified, Downforce, and oh. I think I think Baron Park. I don't know. She was actually making some final decisions when I came down here. So I don't know for sure those last three. Yeah. Um, Fields of Arl was actually, no, it was Fields of Arl, Horrified, and then something else was going to be the last three. So, yeah. So, you know, those will be on their way here shortly. But, uh, yeah. So, you know, we picked up nine new games to add to the collection. No big deal. Awesome. That's great. So, yeah. Cool. Uh, Where did I leave? Okay. So we'll talk about Inscription uh, together. because you'll be talking about that. And I, I would say, finally, the game I played the most, the game that got me through Extra Life, truly, was Forza Horizon 5. So glad I bought it early, the early access thing. Uh, I, oh, I just want to say real quick, Josh, yeah. I know this is going to come off as me being a hater, and I apologize it's not meant to be. But I am fascinated that Xbox is like, Hey, all of our games released day one on Game Pass, and they're still finding ways to get people to pay additional money for them. Yeah, that's pretty like, that genius. Is, like brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. It's not Here's that much game different. That you're gonna get four for, for no extra money. I know, I know. In like five days, three days. But if you give us forty extra bucks, you can play it the weekend before it comes out. I will. Brilliant. In their defense, Forza was doing that before they were on Game Pass. They did it for I, a th- I totally, Horizon yeah. Three and Four. But yes, I hear you. Totally and also like Madden yeah. does it and, and, and NHL and FIFA. For sure. But For I hear sure. what you're saying. And we'll talk about that later, actually. Um, <laughs> but yes, I do want to say one thing. I heard Donnie talking about quality mode versus performance mode and how quality mode, basically based off of um, Digital Foundry, they were like, hey, this is the one you want to play on. And I was like playing for a couple hours and I was like, oh, I still have it on performance mode. I should change it to quality. I changed it to quality. Um, uh, I got a headache immediately. Oh, it was like crazy, weird motion blur. My eyes couldn't focus on what was happening on the screen. Um, in fact, if I probably played longer, I probably would have got a migraine. 
So I had to quickly switch it back to performance mode. And I don't know if it's because of the TV I was playing it on. So I'm going to try it on my like LG Nano Cell TV and see if that changes it. But it was really messing. Um, it's kind of like when you see the motion smoothing on TVs, except like 10 times that. And I couldn't, my eyes just like, it really messed with me. So and just to speak to that. So maybe well, I- maybe someone who has tried quality for fours that can tell me like what they're seeing. Because even Sean Capri was like, I couldn't play it on quality. It really hurt my head. Well, and and obviously I haven't played it yet. I am planning to play it, but I'm planning to play it when my Series X comes in here in a couple of weeks. Um, I can't imagine for, like obviously for racing games, they look spectacular. And I think if you were like, like going like going slowly, like I think quality would be really, really good. Yeah. But I have to imagine for the speed that those games move at. Yeah. That, and especially when I think of like ray tracing in a situation like that, I can't, I, I really feel like that game is so pretty as it is that with how quickly everything is going, that having it in quality mode would have that huge significant impact in like positively in your experience. I have to imagine the frames are going to matter way more in those situations. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, that makes total sense. It just was like, yeah. I'm de- I was like, I'm definitely not an expert in it. Obviously I know digital foundry much more is than I am, but on the face, it seems like performance would be the way to go. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. I did not expect that to happen, but uh, uh, yeah, I I played so many hours of it. I'm like level 39 now, which uh, is insane. And I just had so much fun. It really helped me through the night. And um, you know, I was talking to to Sean Capri about this because we kind of both didn't love Forza Horizon Four as much as Three. I love Forza Horizon Four, but I think. We were both talking about how this is like the what you wanted from the Horizon Three sequel. It's like yeah. the better version of Horizon Three. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's fantastic. I'm absolutely loving it. Um, and I have, um, we will be getting a copy of Riders Republic for PlayStation uh, from Sean because I donated to his extra life. So we'll be getting that soon. Oh, sweet. I was actually yeah. just t- going to talk to you about how I was thinking about picking that up here soon. So. Yeah, he gave me a code, and, it, and I guess Ubisoft gave him the wrong code. Uh, so he's just going to, once he gets the new one, he's going to DM me. So we'll oh, have awesome. Riders Republic probably within the next week or two. Oh, man. That's awesome, but not awesome all the Well, you don't have to play it. No rush. And we don't have to worry about, yeah, but we don't have to worry about like trying to score it on a sale or anything. So yeah, that's uh, a bunch of games. I probably forgot a couple that I played during the night because it was a long night, but uh that's some of the things i played <laughs> awesome uh for me we'll talk about inscription here at the end then uh guardians of the galaxy still kind of plugging away at that number one i know obviously this game has been talked about a ton by pretty much everyone uh it, it, this game was way longer than i anticipated it was going to be like obviously in listening to reviews and people talk about it then i knew this game was going to be long but even now just sitting down and playing it <laughs> oh man i this game just keeps keeps going and i don't it's not a bad thing i'm not like frustrated by that but I did not anticipate, you know, being going into like chapter 10 and chapter 11 and being like, wow, yeah, like we're really clearly not anywhere towards the end of this game yet. You know, like we're still a lot to go. And Kevin DMs me in- and he goes, when you think it's done, it's not done, but like five times. And I was like, oh, OK. <laughs> yeah, I'm on chapter 10 or 11 now and it, it, it just keeps going. I did have a really annoying bug the other night Uh-oh. that uh, I was going to like shimmy across this little ledge to go get um a collect a couple some you know stuff to upgrade my things but then there was yeah. one of the boxes that the skins are in you know i could see it and 
I would shimmy, and then as soon as I got to the other side, my character would automatically turn around and go back. Oh, no. And I'm like, what? So I tried, like, reloading the last save. I tried, and I couldn't get there every single time I did it. So I was really frustrated by it, too, because I was like, well, maybe this is a game. I'm like, I'm really enjoying this game. Would I want to get the platinum in it? And now I literally can't because I can't. I couldn't go get that skin. Bummer. And so I was like, well, I'm sure if I came back later, potentially I could. I'm like, I just, nah, I don't know if it's going to be worth it. But yeah, I was like, well, I can't get that one. So that was a <laughs> bit of a bummer. And it just really annoyed me because nothing from the, it was nothing about the story. It was nothing about gameplay. It's not like I was glitching out, like fighting, you know, enemies or Nope. Just trying to go get this one stupid collectible. And every time I got across that ledge, immediately would turn, like I tried to like, go across and dash i try to like go across and like pause the game and come back in like everything i could but i could not interrupt the animation where he literally just immediately turned around and like went back across the ledge i'm like what the crap yeah that's that stinks when stuff like that happens yeah but overall still really enjoying it it's the game that like every time i sit down to play games even though i have a ton of games i want to play it is the game that keeps floating to the top of the list that's so good Uh, so yeah it really is really really good uh and it's uh, these are obviously characters we know from since you know Marvel has obviously gotten huge and the movies got big and prior to the movies I don't think most people um, unless you were really into comics knew Guardians of the Galaxy and even in that these are you you can draw some you have some familiarity with like this world and these characters but they really these characters do stand on their own they you there is a you can see some ties that connect them to like kind of what's happening. Uh, in Mar in the Marvel universe and in the movies, but they really are kind of their own characters, and and it, it's pretty cool to see that you can develop this connection to these characters completely separate from their movie characters. Yes, which I think is what we really struggled with, like the Avengers game that we that was hard to do. Like people were really struggling with falling or starting to like these Avengers, whereas with these Guardians of the Galaxy, like I really like these characters separately from the ones I like in the MCU. Yeah. So they did a really nice job with that. Uh, the other game then was a game that was my homework from two weeks ago that then Josh gifted to me. Yeah. Um, was the game Inscription, which is from Devolver, currently only on Steam, I think. I think that's the Correct. only place you can play it right now. Uh, so Josh and I have both been playing this. Josh, how far are you in Inscription? <laughs> I am afraid to tell you because I feel like it would be a spoiler. Well, how many hours have you played it? Oh boy! Um, if I open Steam, it'll tell me, right? It it does, yes. Uh, okay. Watch uh, as my internet crashes while I'm trying to open boom, Steam. Boom. <laughs> All right, library inscription nine point eight hours. Wow, you have played way more than I have. Yeah, I, don't uh, I have played two point. <laughs> I have played two point four hours. So how far have you gotten? I have gotten through. I will say. For lack of a better way to put it, the first two bosses. So the first two biomes is like oh, I just I just finished okay. the second biome. Yes, you can um, say the angler. And yeah, I I defeat I just defeated the angler, and I'm now going into the the next area. Sure. Um, and that's where I ended last night when I was like, "Good job, Josh. Keep playing games. I'm going to go to bed." That's where I had just gotten. I had just defeated yeah. the angler and was moving on. Uh, so listener, if you don't know, inscription is a semi deck building game um, where you were putting together a deck of cards and you then use that deck of cards to compete against in card battles against a shadowy figure that sits across from you at the table and uh, you have four lanes that you're like putting cards into uh, you have a choice on your turn to either draw a squirrel card which is just like a general neutral card kind of um, or a card from your deck 
And then every time you like want to play a card, you have to pay some sort of sacrifice, whether it's sacrificing creatures. So maybe you sacrifice a squirrel that allows you to then play this other card. Um, or maybe you have another, enough creatures who have died that then allows you to play a card um, or other combinations of things that may happen that would allow you to play cards. And you're just going in and having battles against uh, this shadowy figure across the table. And then it, in really a lot of ways that is, is similar to... Um, Oh, the game that everyone compares all these games to. Josh, why am I blanking on what it's called? Hand of Fate. Not Hand of Fate. Um, Darkest Note. That's not what I was nope. thinking. I, I haven't heard anyone compare this to anything, so I'm trying to Slay the Spire? Yes. Okay. Similar to like the Slay the Spire map is you have the map kind of laid out in front of you. Yes. You decide which directions you're going to go. Um, you can like transmog cards and like improve abilities and sacrifice cards and do all these other things like along the journey. And then kind of each of these maps that you go through has an end boss who has different unique ways that you interact with him that in your attempt to defeat him. Uh, but then also just you have some more stuff around you i will say you're able to back out of the map yeah. to kind of explore the room that you're in um which may be helpful for you to do um if you choose to do so uh so this game has kind of taken the internet by storm um there are people who are talking calling this their game of the year ah. um yeah so i really i do really like it i don't know if it's like my game of the year uh but it right now at least depending on you know what we still have to play is definitely going to be on my top 10 of the year list for my two and a half hours that i've played it yeah i don't want to say uh, anything but man you're in for a treat soon <laughs> okay okay uh so josh you obviously have played quite a bit more than i how many because i don't even know like how many different like yeah. biome slash bosses there are like how many have you gone through just to give you an idea like i don't consider that a spoiler but like what are your uh, thoughts overall i can't tell you because it would be a spoiler uh <laughs> And I'm okay, not even joking. Um, I will say this. You have... You will... Okay. Did you get something once you beat the angler? Did I get something once I beat the angler? I don't know what that means. Okay. Then you didn't. Okay. So you would know what I meant. Uh, maybe. What can I say? I don't want to spoil it. Here, Here's what I can tell you. Here's what I can tell you. What do you... I, do you have anything inventoried? Uh, I, I do have some inventory things, um, and I one of them, I feel like as soon as I use it, something funky is going to happen, so yeah. I haven't used it yet. Okay. I have the knife, if that's what you're talking oh, about. Oh, no, it's not what I'm talking about. Okay. okay. Um, there's also, like, red herrings in that room. Like, uh, there's a hammer and uh, maybe a pickaxe or uh, ice pick oh, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. You, you can't get those. Uh, at least to my knowledge, you can't get those. I right. don't have those. Um I think they're just red herrings. They're just out there. Uh, how do I want to describe? Okay. Um, soon, the game uh, changes style. Oh, okay. And that's cool. That's all I'm going to say. So you can't, I can't start, you can't quantify it by biomes or bosses at that point. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So I'm well beyond that. Gotcha. Well, of course you are. You played. I actually three missed. Times as long. I actually missed that room at this point. <laughs> uh, oh, but I'm I'm significantly further ahead, and I got a little bit further right before we started recording. Um, but I think I might be at an impasse that I'm going to have to start doing some serious thinking about how to progress from where I currently am. But I would say what happens is 
um, intriguing and it's very uh, it keeps me wanting to know more this is very much an an, an an enigma of a of a game to a degree uh, but what really got me so we, we talked i think we talked about this a little bit before but this was one of those things where i just saw like alana pierce was streaming the first hour of and i had never heard of this so I watched her play. I thought it was really cool. She didn't get very far, so I nothing was spoiled for me really. And I just really enjoy the this weird game where you sacrifice animals that can talk to you and have personalities sometimes. Yeah, yeah, sometimes. Um, and by sacrificing them, you can get uh, blood, which is essentially um, recruitment points, or you get bones from animals that you sacrifice or that are killed by the your opponent and then you have to build your deck around maybe how many bones you think you get like as you're going to play how many characters you think you're going to die but your deck is limited and even your squirrel deck is limited yeah it is like almost implied that it's an infinite squirrel deck but it is not yeah, it definitely seems implied that it's going to be, but I did exhaust I, it. Once. I always run out of it, um, and then you're out, and then you're given these gifts, and this is where it becomes like hand of fate ish to me. Like you have this like unreliable narrator across the table from you, who's yep. kind of dictating the story to you, who's playing like um, a dramatic performer, very similar to hand of fate, um, and then he's always he or she or it is always offering you. Um, um, boons to make it easier for you. But there's also some that cause great sacrifice to yourself as well if you use them. And you mentioned the knife. That will be one of them. Um, if you haven't used it yet, you'll see like what happens when you use it. Um, so it's just so very interesting how they wrote this game and designed this game and then to see where it's going to take you soon is also a very an interesting direction um that they took so i'm excited to hear you talk more about it if you keep playing it because you, obviously your homework wasn't to continue playing it it was just to play an hour of it <laughs> yeah no i definitely plan to continue playing it I, i'm really enjoying it i i will say i do agree that i i my one of the challenges i have with this game is i do believe that sometimes because the deck is so limited it should seem that you always have outs yes but i feel like because it is actually so limited there are times where i feel like i can't like, I, I don't have a win, right? Like, there's nothing I can draw yeah. because I have to pick between drawing a squirrel or drawing one of my deck cards. And it's like, well, no, I need the squirrels to live long enough. Like, I need a squirrel or two to live long enough to get this thing out. Yeah. But I'm going to die if I don't play this thing, but I don't have the resources to play the thing. Yeah. Right? So, so like, yeah. yeah. So, I think that is one of the hard parts, I will say. And I... I, I have this combination, um, uh, this perk, I guess, for lack of a better word. You know how you get like the wood carvings? Yes. Yeah. Um, Do you I have the squirrel have one? Set up the squirrel, yeah. Yeah, where the squirrel, and every time you sacrifice a squirrel, you get another squirrel, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, super good. I'm like, why would you do anything other than this? Because yeah. I literally never have to draw squirrels. <laughs> I just keep getting squirrels in my hand, and this is amazing. There's one that you so. can get that gives you, that you can give the squirrel a, a attack bonus. Oh, which that would be bad either. Be, yeah. Um, so what people might not know is uh, this is kind of a deck-building game in the sense that once you fail, this this um, uh, person who's holding you prisoner takes a photograph of you 
at the end, and you actually build a card based on your character, but you also run into cards from what you have to assume are previous prisoners. Yes. Uh, but what they let you do is, what they do is uh, you start by picking a cost of a current card in your deck and then hit like attack and defense points of another card in your deck and then an ability. So there are times where you can, and then you name it, but there are times yeah. where like I had a cards in my deck that was like, Zero, it was free to recruit. It had like a three, two attack defense and it had like a, a um, poison. So it would automatically kill the thing it attacked. But they don't always come up, but they're in yeah. your deck. Right. So as you, the longer you play the game, the stronger your deck gets with yes. these other characters. And you can also find other cards in your surroundings by solving puzzles um, yeah. in the room that you're in. So you, you can consistently strengthen your deck and that's essentially where it becomes kind of more like a Hades like a where you have to play multiple runs to get stronger to eventually get out of where you are or even like a returnal like yeah. where you need to strengthen your character I'm pretty happy with like a little like sequence I have kind of built up is like my one of my like you talked about like one of my death cards is really good like it's very very good it, it's not free it only costs two but it's like a four six for two and it has like two additional oh, powers yeah. on it that's really good it, and i have another card that costs one i think it's like my death adder or something that costs one to play that i um inscripted the ability on it to like anytime i play it i get to go look for a card oh nice so like i play that go get my other card play a squirrel kill but like it will kill something have my squirrel come back to my hand because that's just the way that works and then like literally as long as i get the adder like on my first like in my opening hand like i have my like bomb like on the board on my second turn like every time which yeah. is pretty nice like so and once i because i was really struggling for a while there i was like i was playing i was like i'm not getting anywhere like this isn't working and then yeah after kind of getting that all worked out i kind of actually went through like the second two like the first boss second boss like really really fast then after that so and it's all very dark it's all about sacrificing parts yeah. of you or other things to yeah. progress yeah. and it, yeah it's right i think it's very interesting yeah you can pull out a tooth to get some life back and yeah, yeah teeth and then you'll then and, and some yeah that's stuff. why I, mean, I i like i said i assume the knife's <laughs> gonna do something i don't like i know what the pliers do so i assume the knife isn't gonna do something great <laughs> So I'm just waiting to use it though I feel like I need it. So if I'm kind of in a situation where I'm like, well, there's no win here. Let's just do this and then we'll see what happens just because I don't know what's going to happen. I don't want to put myself in a worse position. Not that I think right. I'll do that, but we'll see. I'll use it sometime here soon. So, yeah. But yeah, that's mostly what I've been playing. Just Inscription, Guardians of the Galaxy. Going to keep playing Inscription because I'm really enjoying it. Um, And hopefully Guardians will be done by the next time we podcast because I, I feel like I'm getting close there. So. Yeah. Awesome. All right, Josh, let's move on to our topics of the show. What's your first topic this week? Well, why don't let's skip why, why don't we skip my first one cuz we talked a lot about games. Why don't okay. we go to yours? Okay. Well, hey. In what was I thought a very odd story? Agreed. Yellow <laughs> is cutting ties with Yellow USA? How does this even work? So this is from our friends over at Dicebreaker. Uh, but King of Tokyo Studio cuts ties with the U.S. distributors. So that's a big thing to know. We've talked about how you want a real big case about how board gaming is weird and board gaming distribution is weird. Um, from the story, again, over at Dicebreaker, Yellow, the publishing company responsible for family board games such as King of Tokyo, has cut ties with its U.S. and Canadian distributor. 
announced via a press release, Yellow, which is based in Helle Court, France, will no longer be distributing its tabletop titles through Yellow USA. The reasons behind the decision will apparently be communicated by Yellow at a later date, with the company deciding to rethink the distribution of its products in the meantime. The distribution agreement, which allowed Yellow USA to distribute the French company's games, will be terminated on December 31st, 2021, ensuring that there will be no more collaboration between the two studios. So kind of going on to a bit more, Stephen Brassad is the COO for Yellow USA and a member of the board of directors of Gamma, or the Game Manufacturers Association, which is best known for hosting the Gamma Expo was removed from Gen Con in 2018 for assaulting a security guard after refusing to show his badge. Don't you know who I am? I'm Stephen (laughs) Brassad. Indeed. (laughs) The incident led to multiple board members resigning in protest of Brassad's continued presidency. Yellow has not confirmed whether Brassad's actions have anything to do with his decision to cut ties with Yellow USA, which, if it does, that was in 2018. That was a bit of a slow response. (laughs) Um we could go on to talk more about this, but basically what happened is, uh, you know, Stephen Brassad had signed an agreement to distribute games for Yellow in the United States and Canada, and he nothing else is distributed by Yellow USA other than Yellow Games. So they could have called themselves something different, I guess, and distributed Yellow's games, but instead they just called themselves Yellow USA. So Yellow no longer going to be distributed by Yellow. Josh, this is like this is weird, right? Like this is weird. Yeah, uh, it's weird that they didn't fire him right away. It's also weird that nice. it's, this is happening now. It's also weird that they can still publish Yellow Games under Yellow USA instead of Yellow, I guess, FR maybe is what would be considered. Um, I don't even know. It's weird to think that there could be like uh, like renegade uk and renegade us like that there this is a thing that could possibly happen with other studios too so it is just right. kind of weird in general well i am i'm I, what i'm wondering is if the distribution agreement allows him to use the name yellow usa so once right. the distribution agreement's done is that his company can't be yellow us anymore i would assume because otherwise you're right that would be ridiculous it's pretty bizarre. Um, I don't think that we've ever seen anything like this happen before in gaming g- in general. Um, so yeah, it is. It is just kind of weird, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, and you know, their yellow now has a yellow North America website that's kind of been created. Yeah. So, I mean, there is Asmodee North America, right? There is Asmodee North America. Yes. So I guess it's not that crazy, but it is weird that. That's how they're differentiating themselves instead of just, you know, firing him. They're like, hey, here's your own division of yellow. We just don't want anything to do with you. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that's the big difference is that, you know, Asmodee, uh, like their stuff is all still like tied corporately. It's like they created. Right. It's not that they right. signed a distribution agreement with someone else. Right. So at least as far as I know, maybe that isn't true. If that's the way this worked, maybe that isn't true. But I, I feel like it has to be that way yeah you would i mean yeah, it is bizarre i don't even know that i can like rationalize why this would happen but maybe just maybe it's like one of those like people who made the mistake of giving george lucas uh mark like merchandising rights for star wars they just didn't know what the heck they were doing when they were doing the job they were doing <laughs> that's true that's true so like yeah sure why not you can have yellow usa we don't have a problem with that <laughs> so 
So what do you think then? Do you think this will impact the distribution of yellow games in the United States? Do you think it'll be hard to get like King of Tokyo and things like that? Like, do you think we're going to have like a little bit of lag here in getting those games to the US? Yeah, I guess it depends on where they're getting the um, product from. If it's still coming, if it's if the responsibility of Yellow USA getting their product is from Yellow in France, I don't think they're going to have any motivation to send them games. And we're already dealing with a shipping crisis already, so... Yeah, it might become hard to do that. Um, but I know like um, King of Tokyo Black Edition is very is supposed to be a limited run. And there's no shortage of King of Tokyo right now anywhere. So maybe they don't have to worry about that. That is true. King of Tokyo was at Target when I was there. Yes, today. it is always. And it's at Walmart <laughs> and probably anywhere else it sells. It's probably at Michael's because I know Michael's has like board games too. <laughs> do they really? Yeah, they have like a weird section with a couple of Legos and board games in the back. Well, oh, in the I, back of our stores, I don't know where it's located for you. Guys. I haven't been to a Michael's in a long time. So I should go check that out. But yeah, so that's, that is pretty interesting with uh, yellow, you know, being. I yeah, this is just so weird because it'd just be like PlayStation or Nintendo being like, okay, like if Nintendo suddenly was like, oh, we're just not going to work 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 with Nintendo North America anymore, right? Like, right. <laughs> That would be weird. Yes. Yeah. And that's kind of what's happening here. But obviously, the agreements are different. How the companies are founded is different. But it just, it's so bizarre. And I I do wonder what that will mean for the distribution of Yellow Games, at least in in early 2022, and whether how easily we'll be able to get our hands on them. So, yeah. Agreed. Anything else about Yellow? You know, uh, I used to, like, for me, when we started doing this podcast, Yellow and Renegade were like two huge companies putting out a lot of yeah. games. I haven't really seen Yellow put much out recently, at least not noteworthy. Like we got some review copies of games like a while ago, like Raids and yeah, and stuff like that. But I, I can't think of too much that they've been putting out recently that has been exciting to me, at least. I would agree. I don't know that off the top of my head. I I, I don't know what I can think of um, that's been recent from them. I'm going to. Um see if i can do this by let's see you're released let's do this okay what do they got rolling the adventures of robin hood which is supposed to be a really good game it came is a 2021 game oh they do unmatched is that right bitoku oh they got unmatched oh coming 2021 oh that's dune house of secrets i mean they actually have a lot of games on here and downforce Does yeah. Yellow do Downforce? That's re- Nets Restoration Games. They must have yeah, a deal but they with could Restoration. Distribute it. Yeah, they could distribute it in Europe for them. That's why they have That's what's match. always so confusing about board game distribution that we talk about all the time. Yeah. So. yeah. Oh, that's because it's UK. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what's always so confusing about these things is games published in the US by one company are not necessarily the company that published them in Europe oh. or Japan. or And their website is down because of this whole yeah, thing. Yeah, because they, exactly. <laughs> they don't exist anymore. So, yeah. yeah. So interesting. Well, yeah, so it'll be really curious to see kind of what this means moving forward for Yellow Games in the U.S. and Canada. Um, Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll follow it, give you updates if we know anything. But uh, for now, things with Yellow are just weird. So, yeah. Josh, do you want to do your first story? Yeah, let's do it. So speaking of Extra Life and speaking of Forza Horizon 5, this was something I read while we were at Extra Life. And I interrupted whatever Sean Capri was doing, which is probably important, giving away gangs and raising money. 
to just kind of let him know, hey, I just read this thing that's insane. Uh, and <laughs> I'm going to read this to you that is also insane. So, uh, yeah, so I, my, my clever punny headline was Game Pass. We don't need no stinking Game Pass, kind of. Uh, currently, nearly a million people, which are about roughly 800,000, are already, and this was yesterday, updated yesterday, playing Forza Horizon 5. And it's not even out yet. So yep. this means that people are not... There's over, almost a million gamers playing Forza Horizon 5 across the world that have not waited to get it for free, which means they have either paid 100 US dollars or 45 US dollars if they are already Game Pass subscribers and they just wanted to do what I did, which was the early access pack. That That's insane. Uh, I think what is pretty crazy about this, because it comes out Tuesday, the day you're listening to this podcast, if you listen to it on release day, November 9th, um, I think really what this comes from is, one, the pedigree, starting from really from Forza Horizon 3. I know there were two games before that. Um, but also the word of mouth uh, uh, from the earlier reviews of this game, which I think is a... Um, Microsoft knew what they had, and they got these games out early to people, real early. Streamers, Digital Foundry. Um, Digital Foundry called it an Xbox Series X masterpiece. Uh, that's Digital Foundry doesn't use words like that lightly. Uh, and maybe never at all, <laughs> really. <laughs> uh, so this is uh, a quote. It says, For nearly as long as video games have existed, the racing game has stood on a monument to state-of-the-art technology, an opportunity to dazzle audiences with vividly realized automobiles gliding across virtual highways. Uh, John wrote a couple days back. Um he continues, as this technology evolved, so did the representation of driving. More advanced physics enables more realistic simulations and more powerful graphics. Architectures, uh, sorry, architecture enabled increasingly, well, wow, I gotta slow down because I'm tired. While more <laughs> powerful graphics architecture enabled increasingly vivid reactions of the world around you. As new consoles launch, new racing games would inevitably appear to demonstrate why you need the new machine. Uh, from Project Gotham Racing, which was from the original Xbox, to Forza Motorsport, to Forza Horizon. Microsoft has understood this, and with Forza Horizon 5, Playground Games has delivered an exceptional system showcase. And we were making jokes playing it. We are like, can you believe these people are making Fable? <laughs> um, they really uh, delivered on this, and it's kind of crazy to imagine... Even if you do $45 per person, how much 800,000 people spending just $45 would be? Never mind $100. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's probably, before it even released, I'm going to guess this is the most successful Forza Horizon racing game and maybe the most successful racing game of all time. I think they said it's definitely the most. I think it's already been said that it's the most before it successful released. <laughs> horizon, yeah. Um, so I, we, we were talking about it at the because um, I had misread. It says nearly a million. I was like, Sean, a million people are playing for Zara's five already. 
Um, so he talked about it on his stream too. And I think it's just crazy. Uh, in a good way, people are so excited to play this game. They literally cannot wait to play it for free. And I say free with quotes because it's right. Game Pass. Um, but I mean, if you donated to Sean during Extra Life, you could, for like 15 bucks, he was giving away 15 months of Game Pass. <laughs> so you could have essentially got it for a dollar a month. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I just think it's fascinating. Uh, I know that you're not a big racing game fan, but I think what is happening with Forza is it's expanding to non-race game racing fans because it's making it it's giving it such a broad appeal because it's it's this arcade hybrid racer. It's just it's like right in between Cruising USA or Burnout and Gran Turismo or Forza Motorsport. It's right in between. It feels yeah. like it feels enough like you're actually participating in races to a point where it's not always easy, which is more on the motorsport side, to these crazy over-the-top sometimes races that is closer to the Cruising USA style. But like if if you've ever played Cruising USA, you're not really worried about if you're gonna win. You think you're gonna win, as you're probably gonna win. It's not super challenging, but um I don't know. I just feel like it's so interesting that they've been able to like perfect this uh formula. And even with like a hiccup, like a little hiccup from Forza Horizon 4, they still put out a superb game. Just it didn't meet the standard of Horizon 3. Yeah. So that word of mouth. And that's that's the funny part, right? Frozen Horizon 4 was kind of considered a little hiccup. And this, then they're like, yeah, but I'm all in on 5, even though 4 wasn't as good as 3. <laughs> yeah, but it, I mean, at this point, I feel like Forza Horizon is kind of like pizza, right? Like, even when it's not that good, it's still really good. You know, like, even when it's not yes. as good as it could be, it's the still wor- very good. The worst pizza is still pizza. <laughs> yeah, the worst pizza is still, is still yes. pizza. And I feel like... <laughs> That's kind of where they're at. And you're right. You know, everyone seems to – people keep trying to tell me that this isn't a racing game. It's a driving RPG, right? Like, that's yeah, what it is. Yeah, that's, that's fair. You know, and I I just am really not a huge fan of driving in games. Like, that's yeah. the problem. Like, I always say I don't like racing games, but it isn't necessarily just racing. I just really don't like driving in games very much. That's not just – this is something I, I really love to do. Even in – and people are going to think this is ridiculous, but even in, like – Far Cry 6 when I'm playing it. Yeah. Like, I, if it, depending, unless it's like a really long distance, I just run. Like, I don't really care. Or I'll like yeah. wingsuit like, know, yeah. and spawn a wingsuit. Like, I almost never want to drive. Yeah. If I, I have to drive, I'm usually frustrated because I'm not good at it. And I, I recognize that Forza does all the things it can to kind of like. You can you find know, the right car for you. If you're having a tough time driving, there is a car in Forza. You just have to find it that suits right. your control style. Yeah, I mean, and I think the hard part for me is that, and I've talked about this before, that for me, when it comes to playing video games, like the stick is in the center or it's on the edge. Like there's no in between yeah. like that. And that's just the way I play video games. And that yeah. makes it very, very hard to drive things like sure. anything, you know, so I, I probably should be as partly because I'm just bad at games, but I've raised, know, kind of- I've raised a C4 jet. I've raised, um, um, dirt bikes. I've raced jet skis. I've raced down a volcano. I've yeah. raced uh, up a mountain. I've done. I've been a stunt driver in a movie. Yeah. I've like there's. I've been a. I learned 
luchador car combat and there's yeah. so much and i and i drove a motor and a monster truck there's so much going on and i'm i'm not even halfway through the game i don't think yeah and i'm glad you're having fun and like but i said I, I, def- I also appreciate where you're coming from i get like I do get that, like, this is probably not a game for you. And I think that's right. that's fine. That's okay. Yeah. Because this is the breath of the wild of racing games. <laughs> but you like this game. Right. But a lot of people like it. But I understand yeah. why people don't like it. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, I'm going to try it. I'm going to wait until my Series X comes in. But uh, I am going to try it because, obviously, everyone seems to love it. But, yeah, I just... And the one thing I can say that I think is pretty universal is that, like... I just I, I don't like driving games like equally, you know, because sometimes people are like, well, you're a PlayStation guy. I was like, no, I don't like Gran Turismo either. Like, I just don't, you know, actually, I, I, I don't I might even go on record saying that I hate Gran Turismo mostly because I'm horrible at it. I'm so bad. Well, it's at it. pure simulation. It's like right. I could just go drive my car and have the same experience. <laughs> yeah. Like and I'm not someone who says that video games have to be fun because like I just was like, oh, Gran Turismo isn't fun to me. Uh, they don't have to be fun, but the experience I'm having around it needs to still be worthwhile. And the experience around Gran Turismo is not worthwhile to me, and I'm not having fun. So the whole thing just to me, it's not a good time for me. You know, I, I just don't want to spend my time that way. So I hear you. Like I said, I'll try it. Hopefully I'll like it, but I'm not holding my breath. But I am going in. I'm going to try to go in as with as much of an open mind as I can. I know it's not going to be a totally open mind, though. So No, that's and that's okay. I mean, like we say, not every game is for everyone, and... I think we both respect that. So I think you're fine. If you don't like it, no problem. But at least you're giving it a shot. And that's more than a lot of people will do. For Except sure. for those million people who are already playing. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, uh, real quick then, Josh. Uh, yeah. Uh, just because I do want to ask. Are, are you going to back Marvel Dice Throne? I, uh, I am currently backing Marvel Dice Throne. You are currently backing it? Yes. Yeah. I think I'm going to end up getting this game. Dang it. <laughs> it looks really cool. Regular dice thrown. So Marvel, my first story is going to be, um, and I'll, maybe I'll cover it next week because this, I think, there's plenty of time left. Uh, oh no, maybe there are seven time. days left. Okay, well, so uh, there's a game series that I have dice thrown. I have season one and season two. Now they have partnered with Marvel. It's essentially a Yahtzee-based mechanic to uh, um, a battle. Uh, hero battle dice game and you have a character board and they have cards that you can upgrade but what you do is you roll your dice and you try to match them with the cost of the cards on your character board so you can perform an attack what is cool about dice throne is you can play one versus one you can play one versus one versus one versus one versus one versus one you can play two versus two versus two you can play three versus four uh, and they all come with these really great compact um, almost like um, game trays systems where everything for each character is contained inside that tray and you can mix Dice Throne Season 1 and 2. I'm kind of bummed that they did like Dice Throne Season 1 re-rolled and they basically oh, made the yeah. characters better and I'm like, well, what about me? I have the first characters. Uh, <laughs> and now they're, in, now they're partnering with Marvel to bring a whole new set and if you do the Kickstarter, you can even include um, play mats for every character um, and all these extra deluxified things. But you can it will include Spider-Man, Miles Morales, Scarlet Witch, Thor, Black Widow, Doctor Strange, Loki, Captain Marvel, and Black Panther for I would imagine it's going to be season one yeah. based on the success of this. Um, so if you're interested in a cool dice battling game, 
Ah, that is so accessible because of that Yahtzee, um, t- like, uh, mechanic. Anyone can roll dice. It's just what you do with what you roll that makes you successful. Um, super fun. I love the art. I met the artist um, at, like, the first Pax Unplugged. He's very talented. He signed my copy of Dice Throne Season 1. Um, Manny, I think. Yeah, Manny Tremblay. Yeah. Uh, Manny Tremblay, yeah, he's he's very. Um, I like his art uh, a lot. So, yeah, if you're interested in Marvel Dice Throne, check him out on Kickstarter like now while you're listening to this before it ends, uh, because it looks really cool, especially if you like Marvel. Yeah. So here here's the one thing. Do you think that the card sleeves will fit in the player trays? I think they say they do, um, but I could also be thinking of Frosthaven because I've been reading so much about Frosthaven. Right. Uh, I don't you don't I this is a game I don't know that you need to sleeve your cards because you're not actively shuffling them. I know. And you're the only one touching them. So Josh, this is why I'm a sucker cuz like it's $84 to back, which is great for everything for like the quality of what their stuff is. Yes. Like that's a great price. And then hey, for $80 you can get two play mats, a dice tray and card sleeves for I all know, the heroes. That's and I'm like a big, oh, that's a big I, ask. Like why am I such a sucker, Josh? Why do I want to buy that? Well, what's nice why about do I buy that? What's nice about the Kickstarters now is that you can you pay up front for the game and then you can wait for backer kit to decide if you want to sp- like, you don't have to put, like it's not yeah. one big bite. You can take out right. small bites. Yeah. If you want to. Yep. 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 Dang it. I'm going to mm, remind me. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to probably end up backing that game. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Thanks for indulging that. Josh. Just, so it. I did want to talk about it because I was no assuming problem. we were getting it, but okay. Yes. So my final topic then uh, is a, is a roundup of sorts. So we're going to kind of, go through this pretty quickly um we saw some great game releases this last week obviously there, there's there been a a, bre- a large breadth of great games that have come out recently and within the last week especially with like forza and all that good stuff but we've had some pretty poop news when it comes to the video game world and while we have typically want to celebrate the high things and talking about the great games we're playing i think it's important to kind of just make sure we're up to date on all the maybe not so great things that have gone on uh you know just to kind of make sure we're checking that box too so we're going to go through this rather quickly because i have a number of stories here but just to get some feedback from josh on uh first story ea sports pga tour is delayed indefinitely yeah Uh, the game was originally scheduled to launch in spring 2022 um, and they posted a statement on their Twitter account that said, Hey, golf fans, we wanted to let you know that we are shifting the launch date of EA Sports PGA Tour. We're excited to bring championship golf to you, and we'll providing more information on our launch plans in the coming months. Now, the interesting thing is they didn't say that they're actually delaying it. They just said that they're moving it, but I don't think it's coming earlier. Uh, <laughs> so, Josh, A, when you hear a game is uh, delayed indefinitely, what does that make you think? Canceled. They canceled. Usually, if they say indefinitely, okay. it means they don't. They are afraid to commit to a future date, which nobody's in video games is afraid to commit to a date anymore. So if they yeah. say indefinitely, it just means to me canceled. So important to note that it is EA Sports PGA Tour. Yes. Uh, there was no release like the, it was not like you know how Madden has a year with it and all that stuff. It was just EA Sports PGA Tour. Uh, it was you know slated for spring 2022. Yeah. Do you think it still comes out in 2022? It could. I mean, if they're being weird about using indefinitely, like maybe they just don't want to commit to a date, which is actually something we talk about a lot. Right. Like, just don't commit to a date. It's fine. But I just get rid of indefinitely. Just don't use that 
word. Because <laughs> yeah, remove it, it from your vocabulary. <laughs> yeah, because when you say something is delayed indefinitely, it does very much sound like this game is never coming out. Is what it yeah, sounds. It's like. got shelved like a film, right? Like it's uh, on the studio shelf. That like we're not working on it anymore. That it could come back in the future, but we're not actively working on it. Now I d- I don't think that's what they mean here. Um, but you know, I just think it means that like, Hey, we're going to keep working on it. We'll give you an update when we know more, but, uh, you played PGA 2k 21, right? A a decent amount of that game. Uh, were you excited for the EA sports to, to bring back golf or are you want to stick with 2k 20, you know, the 2k series of golf games? What are your thoughts on just golf games moving forward in general? I was curious about the EA sports thing, but I actually think that the, um, the 2k is better than the last at least two EA games. I'd agree. I'd agree hundred percent. So yeah, sports beach tour. We'll see you when we see you, I guess on a, probably what is a very sad note for Josh, what we learned less a week or two ago, Josh's most anticipated game for 2022 is delayed. Marvel's midnight suns has been delayed to the second half of 2022. Originally it was going to come out in March. Josh, what are your feelings about Marvel's midnight suns getting pushed to the, second half of the year i'm okay with it get it out of get it away from february get it away from i don't know who what the heck else is going to be coming out the first quarter of next year um and let them let them make the game the way they want to like i've watched a lot of um developer diaries if you want they're probably not called that but it's essentially the same thing they're very passionate people they know what they're writing they know what they're making they're comic book fans the game looks great still from what i've seen so yeah just let them polish it that's fire access. Like they're going to kill it. It's going to be great. Yeah. So, and, you know, it, the statement very clearly says second for, half of 2022. Fire Do I have to, I have to change how I say their name? For I can always say fire access. Oh yeah. It's no, for access. For access. No fire, just for access. Um, so obviously, you know, second half of 2022 means starting in July. Yeah. Uh, Happy birthday think- to me. Do you think it's going to be a July game, or do you think we're talking, like, holiday season? I've seen so much of the game, I really feel like they they have a bunch of it done. So yeah. I, I think that's a safe bet early early for, uh, second half. Yeah, they also did – they were cover for Game Informer recently, and we saw a ton of the game there. So it does seem yeah. like, you know, that they, they have to have some decent progress on that game, at least. I would I would suspect – if I was a betting person, I'm shooting for, like, September. September seems yeah, like Yeah, I'm okay with that, that too. Great time. Great time of year to come out. So, hey, this game wasn't delayed. This next game was just canceled, but we don't even know what game it was. And that's Take-Two canceled an unannounced game that it had already spent $53 million of development on. Mm -hmm. Um, And the report is that this was the game being developed by Hangar 13, which had previously done Mafia 3. And the code name of the game was Volt. Josh, $53 million and canceled. What are your thoughts? Uh at first, my thoughts are, why, why would you ever invest that much money and not release the game? Even if it's terrible, it's not worse than Bubsy 3D or <laughs> or some, or anything. But then I also remembered uh, how much money Take-Two has and that this is yeah. pretty much a – they dropped a nickel on the ground and didn't want to pick it up because it's bad luck. So uh, as much as I, I would love to be given $53 million and just someone walked away and left me on my own uh, – uh, it's hard to like look at that much money and not care, but I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> they they invested a lot of money into a game that, that obviously they didn't think was good enough to release. So, I mean, smart business move, maybe. <laughs> yeah. 
So over on Games Radar, they are citing Bloomberg saying that Bloomberg reports the canceled project was a superhero title codenamed Volt and that it was in development at Mafia 3 Studio Hangar 13. According to Bloomberg, sure. development of Volt initially began in 2017 and included several reboots with the most recent version of the game struggling to overcome technical challenges and other complications related to the COVID pandemic. The game would have been a competitive online superhero game as well as a brand new IP from Hangar 13. Ultimately, the folks with the coin purse at 2K decided it wasn't worth the investment and canceled it. Sure. It's also important to note that uh, according to VentureBeat, Red Dead Redemption 2, also published by Take-Two, uh, costed an estimated $540 million. So, and they made their money back too. So, so they yeah, did so, pretty you know, well. <laughs> $53 million, I guess, seems like a, a drop in the bucket, but... There are plenty of amazing games out there that cost way less than $53 million. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I, I hope one day, you know, in the in the future um, from like, was it Unseen 64? Like those sites that like look at like unreleased games or get information yeah. about unreleased games. Yeah. Uh, hopefully someday we'll hear a little bit more uh, about what Project Volt was because I think it would be really interesting. Hey, go, moving on to publishers uh, not having faith in their developers. Uh, Square Enix apparently doesn't even like Marvel's Avengers. So this is already also from over on Games Radar. Uh, Square Enix admits Marvel's Avengers was not as successful as we would have liked, uh, but the company is doubling down on the games as service model. Uh, Square Enix now admits that Marvel's Avengers wasn't the massive success it had planning, calling the game disappointing in its yeah. annual report. Summarizing most of the title's development and launch was Square Enix president Yusuke Matsuda called Avengers Game of Service model ambitious, but acknowledged the game has unfortunately not proven as successful as we would have liked. The publisher also seemed to suggest that Marvel's Avengers developer Crystal Dynamics' lack of experience with the Game of Service model is at least partly to blame for its last lackluster punch launch reception. Taking on the game of service model highlighted issues that we are likely to face in the future game development efforts, such as the need to select game designs that mesh with the unique attributes and tastes of our studios and development teams, Masuda said. So basically being like, yo, we picked the wrong company, the wrong development studio to make this. Uh, Josh, you like Marvel's Avengers. Yeah, but you also hit the keyword. They said we picked the wrong company, but then they're blaming the company they picked. <laughs> it's right. like, hey, Kyle, I would like you to write me a novel. Based off of early um, Emily Dickinson, you know, I haven't, I don't know about Emily Dickinson. Uh, well, that's okay. You you can probably figure it out, right? And then you put a book, and it's crap. And I'm like, ah, I mean, it's not my fault. It's Kyle's fault. <laughs> <laughs> like so they you... forced they forced multiplayer on this game. It's a great campaign. It really truly is. In fact, it stands toe to toe with Guardians as far as campaign goes. And right. Guardians is getting so much more acclaim because it is not built as a multiplayer game of service, always something new to play like Destiny game. And that's what the problem with Marvel's Adventures was. Do or you think still <laughs> Yeah. Do you, and this is me like totally just I, I have no obviously insight as to whether this is true or not. Do you think this is partially leads to why Square Enix was okay in signing a contract with Microsoft to let Crystal Dynamics work on um, the on uh, Perfect Dark because they're like, well, we need to recoup from money from the studio. So if I we guess, can have yeah. them work on this other game and get paid to do it, like this will help offset the the cost of the debacle that has been Marvel's Adventures. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it would make sense, right? I just, I don't 
I don't I don't know. When people this happened with was it um uh what the heck was the name of that game? The game Ah shoot, that's not important because I can't remember. I think it began with a D. It was like another like game of service game that came out where you had like a mechs and people riding like Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was almost like an RTS style game that like they were like, hey, you put up this beta, people like three people liked it and everyone else hated it. So we'll still release it and then cancel it like a month after it's out. Like, I understand the want for a game of service as a company. Like people look at what Destiny 2 is doing. People look at um, what Overwatch and... Um, Apex and Fortnite are doing and they want that. But just because you want it doesn't mean you should do it. Especially (laughs) if you're just like willy-nilly hiring people who don't have experience with it. Like, just uh, don't, just do your research and don't, you know, take the blame if you mess up. Like, don't pass the buck. Um, so yeah, if they, if they want to like pass off Crystal Dynamics to Microsoft, Microsoft will take them in a heartbeat. Like, yeah, sure, let's make let's make a game that you're like suited to make. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I like I said, that might not be any have anything to do with it. In my mind, though, that's just where I went right away. Of like, oh, this might be a really good way for them to be able to uh, make some money. And were you talking about disintegration? Yes, thank you. Disintegration. Yeah, no <laughs> I know so. some people liked it, but I know most people did not like it, including yeah. myself. So, all right. So, a couple more stories here to kind of wrap things up with. Blizzard's newly appointed co-lead is leaving after taking the position in August. That's right. Newly appointed Blizzard co-lead Jen O'Neill is leaving the company, and Mike Yabara will become Blizzard's sole leader, replacing Jay Allen Brack. Um, Blizzard co-lead Jen O'Neill will leave the company by the end of the year. This, again, over on Games Radar. Activision Blizzard confirmed O'Neill's upcoming departure in his latest earnings call. O'Neill was appointed Blizzard co-lead alongside Mike Yabara back in August following the lawsuit to President J. Allen Brack amidst the ongoing Activision Blizzard lawsuit. Um, so important to note that um, O'Neill was actually previously executive vice president of Vicarious Visions that got absorbed oh, no. into <laughs> Blizzard. Yeah. Um, and then she became the co-lead of Blizzard and is now leaving. So, Josh, you know... Jen O'Neill was like the high, one of the highest profile female leaders at Activision Blizzard. Yeah. And it was only in that position for a few months. And now is leaving the company who has a whole bunch of lawsuits to get it against it for the way it treats women. Is this now in her statement, she said it has nothing to do with like the culture there and that she actually thinks they're in a good place moving forward. But I mean, yeah, cause she wants to, be- she wants to work after this. She's not going to say, it's abandoned ship, right? At Blizzard, and you can't like. It's almost like she got a like a peek at a little bit more, and then she was like, "Um, bye." <laughs> <laughs> I, that's that is really what it seems like. Is she like got into an executive position, actually got a look at like the things behind the scene, and was like, "Yeah, yeah, no, 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 I'm out." You know, like that's really what it seems like. Yeah, it's like, uh. <laughs> And I don't want to say it. It's going to be a bad. It's going to be a cheap shot at Blizzard, so I'll, I'll keep. I'll keep that. <laughs> it's like she walked into a boardroom and it was there was a keg and a bunch of guys with uh, um, Greek symbols on their belly and paint. <laughs> hey, welcome to the party. <laughs> 
Ah, uh, okay, bye. <laughs> so at this point, Josh, you know, Mike Yabara now taken over. He Previously, he Mike Yabara <laughs> had been corporate vice president of Xbox Live, Xbox Game Pass, and Mixer. He had been yeah. at Microsoft for almost 20 years when he left to go to Blizzard. Uh, do you think he's regretting that decision now? I can't imagine that he's not. Like, I, I would, I'd be on, I'd be texting Phil Spencer every day. Okay, um, <laughs> hey, I'll uh, work Phil in the mailroom. <laughs> Yeah, so things at uh, Blizzard seem to be not going very well. Hey, speaking of which, Josh. Yeah. uh, A couple of games in development aren't coming out this year or next year, as Blizzard has announced (sighs) that Overwatch 2 and Diablo 4 pushed out of 2022 so they can reach their quote-unquote full potential. And it does sound like both titles were originally the plan to launch in 2022. Which is what we Um, both predicted, I think. Yes, Activision Blizzard had pushed Overwatch 2 and Diablo 2 out of its 2022 release schedule. The company hadn't set a firm release date for the games, but during its quarterly earnings call, this was a few days ago, it suggested that both games were originally planned to launch next year, but will now need a little more time in the oven. Quote, as we have worked with new leadership in Blizzard and within the franchises themselves, particularly in certain key creative roles, it has become apparent that some of the Blizzard content planned for next year will benefit from more development time to reach its full potential, read a portion of Activision's presentation. This, again, from the folks at Games Radar. And obviously, when they're saying next year, they mean next fiscal, fiscal year, year. Um, which is typically April to April. So we won't really be seeing either of these games then until probably at least April of 2023. Now, don't worry, Josh. I have a lot of things to say about Overwatch 2. But you are the Diablo fan of the two of us. What uh-huh. are your thoughts on this Diablo 4 delay? Well, I find the wording interesting, the verbiage on them saying new leadership coming in. Have Now, now knowing how uh, video game development works a little bit, uh, I don't know that leadership has so much to do with um, as these games that have been in development for this long. Can you, like, I don't, I don't, I have a hard time picturing someone coming into let's just say the Diablo room and looking at with this game that we've already seen some footage of looking at this game and as the new leader going uh you know I think I know more about developing this game I think that you should change what you're doing we're just going to push it back two years a game that was already slated to come out next year it seems like that would be more like a like um like a game development head not a like someone coming into well maybe i guess it's in the same group i just feel like it seems weird that they're saying like new leadership's coming in and saying like uh, this game isn't where it needs to be when you have so many like cogs building these games and they've been working on it for so long that you would think someone would have noticed that earlier yeah it's not like a surprise like hey here's diablo 4 and someone comes in like this is not doesn't look like Diablo Four. What do you guys? What have you guys been working on for three years, four years? It's kind of. I don't know. I, I guess I'm just confused that what is happening. I know that the leadership mix up is because of all these problematic people, but you still have like yeah. lo- like ground level, line level people making this game. It's not leadership making the game; they're directing the game. Yeah, I, I mean, when you look at Diablo Four, though, both the game director and lead designer were people who were removed because of their problematic behavior, right? Right. So 
when you consider then what the conditions that people had to work under to potentially get the game to where they were and then saying well now we want to improve the well-being of our employees so in order for us to move forward we have uh-huh. to like you know the expectations yeah. of like what they can produce in a timeline has to be adjusted because who knows what conditions they were working in previously to even get to the point that they were right um you know so i can see it to a degree i i get what you're saying but i i'm not totally surprised that they are it sounds like potentially they're trying to put the well-being of their employees at the forefront which is sure. great that is great if that is what they're trying to do right which is great <laughs> but it also does beg the question like you said though that what has been worked on this whole time like what has been going on you know yeah what's happening with diablo immortal is that ever yeah. coming out right and i gotta i gotta admit josh you know i'm someone who has historically said that delaying games is fine because we want games to come out in their absolute best condition in their absolute best state and we i think we know now that game delays don't necessarily improve historically haven't improved the the well-being the working conditions for the employees it usually has met more crunch but hopefully that's not the case in this situation but josh as an overwatch fan i don't think i've ever been so frustrated by a delay as i am about the delay of overwatch 2 and i'm not frustrated from the perception of i deserve this video game yeah release it for me Overwatch was released in 2016. Yeah. Overwatch 2 was announced two years ago. And now the game isn't going to be out until at least 2023. They have already committed to playing the Overwatch League on an early version of Overwatch 2 next year. (laughs) How in the world are you planning to market a professional league playing a game that no one can play. How is that going to work? Yeah. Even for me, who has played Overwatch for literally thousands of hours, <laughs> I'm going to be watching people play a game that I can't play. Now, maybe something will change and there will be like an OPA beta for like the multiplayer or or something like that will happen. Maybe the beta, because Overwatch, the original one, was in beta for like a year. Yeah. So maybe that's what next year is going to be is a beta. But I can't imagine a situation where it is good for them to play your professional league like on a game that no one has access to. And what does that mean for like the contender series, which is the f- groups of people right under the professional league, collegiate esports? What are they going to do? Because they can't even get the game that the professionals are playing. And these a lot of these kids, I say kids because most of them are way younger than I am, <laughs> like their goal and their dream is to like get to the Overwatch League, right? Yeah. yeah. And now they're going to be playing a game that currently, at least it seems like, they're not even going to be able to play the game that the Overwatch League is playing. <laughs> like every, almost everyone, when Overwatch 2 was announced, was like, why are you doing a sequel? Just right. update the game you have. Like every other game of service that currently exists. (laughs) Yes. Like we haven't had like a substantial content update to this game in, at this point, years. Yeah. Like I don't under, (sighs) I don't understand what they're doing. I, they, they really need to like, think about like, is this the best route? And maybe now is the time to pivot and you start releasing the multiplayer content, transition to a battle pass style instead of the stupid loot boxes that you still have, transition to a new model that's going to generate you income, and then 
in two years, let us pay $30 for the PvE stuff. But right. start updating the PvP stuff now. Give us the characters that you're, we're supposed to be getting when Overwatch 2 comes out. Start doing those now. Update the maps. Get rid of 2CP and put in push. Do all the things you said you're going to do now. Don't wait for Overwatch 2 because you're not going to have any players left. Because why would you, when you can go play Apex, which gets new heroes all the time? Fortnite's had how many seasons since the last time? Like it's like literally nineteen seasons. It seems like since we've had a, a character, or like we've gotten two maps that are for PvP, like deathmatch, in the last year and a half. And that's something that you only play while you're waiting to play the full game. It's not even like a real thing. <laughs> And sorry, listener, I know I sound like I'm ranting. I apologize. It's just really frustrating as being a person who loves this game so much. And you're like, yo, what are you doing? This is a bad decision about how to support this game. And it has shown to be a bad decision over and over and over again. And it seems like they're just not in touch. Like, how are they missing the boat this big? Well, but anyway, rant over. I think we sorry. know. They don't have any of the leadership <laughs> they used to have still working there. Gosh, it because they were all like garbage they, human beings. <laughs> uh, it, I, I just don't understand. I don't understand how they are can be this tone deaf about what they should be doing. It just is mind boggling. And again, I don't want to sound like an entitled gamer, which I probably do, and that is not my intent. No, and, you just sound like a passionate gamer who likes a game that is not met the service you're expecting from it, and and it doesn't meet the time you've put into it, like. I don't think you're entitled at all. You just have, you were told by these people, they didn't <laughs> yes. have to tell you anything. They were telling you they're going to give you something as like a, we love our fans and this is what we're bringing yeah. to you. And then they're like, they pulled the rug from underneath you. Well, and that's what's just crazy is that like Overwatch streamers, like Apex is like luring them away. Valorant is luring them away because like those companies are actually talking to them. Like all the streamers talk about how like, all the high-level streamers are like, yeah, Blizzard like never talks to us. Like we have no idea what's going on, and it's like, how how do you not see what the problem is? I I don't know. Anyway, yeah. If you want somebody to come in and help, you know, work on your community relations. Though I will say they have hired two new community managers in the last six months who are both great. They haven't quit yet. They haven't quit yet, and they are <laughs> way more communicative than we have ever had previous community managers, and they're doing a great job. Uh, but it is one of those things that when you're the community manager, like you can only pass on like so, right? Like it's not up to you what to they make the tell game. You. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. Anyway, enough of that rant. My apologies. I know I get on my Overwatch soapbox every once in a while. So thanks for <laughs> indulging me there. With that, we're going to move towards wrapping up the show so we can get Josh to bed. Uh, so brief homework updates. Uh, every two weeks, we give one another homework and report back kind of how it's gone and assign new homework. Uh, Josh, you were assigned to play Rift Breaker. Yes. Did you play Rift Breaker? I, I did play it, actually. I completely forgot that I played it, but I did play it. Yeah, um, tell us about it. It's what you described. It is weird at first. It is a uh, a third-ish person uh, exploration RTS. Does that make sense? Um, sure. You have waves of... of uh, I would say local um, wildlife that attack you if you get too close to like their nests. You have you, it kind of reminds me of like a space marine from StarCraft. You have a blade in your hand that you can use to attack. You also have another weapon, I believe, and then uh, you are tasked with building a base, and then you can uh, essentially continue to build out your 
operations. Um, it was fine. I didn't hate it. It was just, I don't know. I don't know that I like the marriage of the two things. Um, the, the base building stuff never felt solid to me. There's a lot of times where it was telling me to put down like power and, and it would just not let you put it anywhere that you wanted to put it. And I was always right. just questioning, well, am I doing something wrong? Am, do I have to put it somewhere specific? And it's like that constant like searching of where I'm supposed to put all these additions to my base to build on. Um, uh, the exploration felt fine. The combat wasn't terrible. It kind of made you feel a little strong, but you start with little tiny enemies, and as you're exploring more, they, they get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger uh, to be where it becomes a problem. Uh, but it was fine. I would say if you're if you're curious, uh, check it out. But uh, not for me. Gotcha. I and I I it seems like an interesting like mix of those two genres. So I was really interested to see kind of what you think about it. And it sounds like hey, maybe it's not a game for me to play. It didn't do either of the genres well. It did them both I was fine. If that was yeah. That's kind of what I was wondering. So yeah. okay, cool. Um, and then I had to play Inscription, which I did, and we talked did about, it. and it's great. So. Josh did me a good thing, and I did him a sad thing. So with that, no, that's okay. <laughs> with that, uh, Josh, what is my homework for two weeks from now? You know what it is. You must play Resident Evil Eight or Resident Evil Village, if you will. Yes. Okay. Resident Evil Eight. I will get cracking. I'll get that downloaded. Uh, Josh, how confident are you that you can play a board game in the next two weeks? Ooh, in the next two weeks, I can make make that happen. Rolling Realms is your assignment, sir. Oh, okay. I can do that. I figured that would be something you could do. Yeah, we'll awesome. do. Perfect. So Josh will be playing Rolling Realms, the newest game from the fine folks over at Stonemeyer Games, and I will be playing Resident Evil 8, which released earlier this year. My gosh, how was that this year? Okay, with that, we're going to move on to wrapping up the podcast. Podcast? Wow. Podcast. With giving you our recommendation for a well-rounded life. Obviously, we're a gaming podcast, but we want to give you one other thing we're into that is helping us live that well rounded life josh what is your recommendation for our listeners oh okay so i was trying to decide what i wanted to make for my recommendation i think this might be a double down on a previous recommendation and if it is i'm sorry but there's a new season out if you have access to discovery plus or even just a discovery channel there's a show called this uh, expedition unknown uh, which co-stars Jessica Chobot, formerly of G4 and IGN fame. Um, this is a show where she is, they are, you know, investigating unexplained phenomenon, usually like ghosts or supernatural things or cryptids. And she's the believer and she's paired up with, um, uh, a guy whose name I'm forgetting, but he's uh, <laughs> skeptic and he's very smart and he's smart about the way his name is Phil uh, Torres, uh, which I just remembered. Go me. Uh, and he's very intelligent about how he approaches uh, things as a skeptic, how I would probably imagine how you would approach things as a skeptic. Um, and uh, season four just completed is now available the whole season to stream on discovery plus uh there's some pretty crazy things that happen in the season i think this is probably one of the shows that i can that i i can't remember any other shows showing as much actual documented footage it's not like watching sightings or these like unsolved mysteries things 
because they actually document unexplainable things. And I always watch for Phil's reactions because he's the one who has to try to explain things. And he goes, well, I honestly can't explain what we just saw. <laughs> and uh, season four has probably the most interesting um, discoveries. Uh, I really enjoyed it a lot. So that's what I would double down on Expedition Unknown if I haven't recommended it before. Awesome. Expedition Unknown, Discovery Plus, or just Discovery Channel, if you got that thing. Uh, My recommendation is I can now officially uh, recommend Ted Lasso. Uh, Gosh darn it, there's a lot of ungreat things that are happening in the world these days, but if you want to just feel a little bit better about life, Ted Lasso can help you do that. So if you have Apple Plus, uh, or it can get, you know, if you have a PlayStation 5, you can get six months free. I just activated mine last week. Yeah, um, I'm sure you can find other free opportunities for it. Otherwise, it's five bucks a month. But I think even at the five dollars, totally worth paying just for Ted Lasso alone for the month um, to get through the two seasons of it. It is so good. It is so wholesome. It is so saccharine. Um, and yeah, you know, maybe if the world had been in a different situation, this show wouldn't hit as well. But you know what? We're in the situa- situation we are. So the show just hits all of those right notes for you right now. So check out Ted Lasso on Apple Plus if you haven't. It is quite spectacular. Hey, Josh, what do you say we wrap this show up so you can go to bed? Oh, yeah, I'm so tired. I'm ready for it. Uh, thanks. I, you know, I just picture myself crawling into bed and just staring at the ceiling for five hours <laughs> and just hating my life. Uh, thanks for joining us, everyone. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board with 3G, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Board with 3G. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. You can even... I now have linked our podcast feed to our Facebook page, so you can even access our podcast from there. Whoa. Uh, also, if you want to communicate in the more long form or you're just not feeling social media, please feel free to email us at boardwithvg at gmail.com. We tag our stuff with hashtag boardwithvg, so please use that hashtag as well on all social medias. And whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us that stellar five-star rating. Uh, that is whether you're downloading us from the Dice Tower Network feed or our very own standalone board with video games feed. Uh, you can find me on Steam, Xbox Live, PlayStation Network at Why So Serious. That's S I R R I U S. Kyle, where can people find you? So you can find me on all the usual places Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at Psychocross, C Y C O C R O S S. As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming.